0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and you're listening to this podcast, which is a part of the Inside Carolina Podcast Network. So first off, thank you for being here. If you haven't already subscribed to Inside Carolina go ahead and do that if you're either on Apple Podcasts or YouTube so you never miss any of the content our team at IC puts out. It hardly takes any time and it helps us out a lot. Also, speaking of support, we want to support the people that support us. So that's why I've got to remind you all about Johnny T-Shirt. Johnny T-Shirt is the go-to shop for all things Carolina apparel. They've got your football jerseys, the T-shirts, the hats. As the weather gets cooler, they've got all the Carolina hoodies and jackets you could ever want. They've been serving the UNC fans since 1983 on Franklin Street with the best prices and best customer service because they're locally owned and operated by alumni. They're great people over at Johnny T-Shirt. You can visit them right on Franklin Street or go to johnnytshirt.com. And don't forget, Inside Carolina, premium subscribers save 10 percent off their orders. All right, today's show, I've got, as always, fellow Carolina football letterman, Mike Ingersoll and E.J. Wilson here with me guys. UNC absolutely demolishes NC State in a top 25 matchup, 48 to 21 in a game where a 27-point margin of victory doesn't even really indicate how one-sided this game was and how this game felt. Mike, starting with you, what were your biggest takeaways? um we did a whole lot better in pass protection
1: um i saw several times the twist game got shut down so uh their defensive line trying to run twists on us our offensive line shut it down um josh azudu looked pretty good at left tackle frankly they've got a little rotation going there on the left side i noticed um and they stick to it pretty consistently where josh will end up moving out to the left tackle uh spot awesome richards will rotate out um they'll get monoliths in there too a guard and um i thought he did a pretty good job at left tackle um we did a better job catching the ball too from a receiver standpoint uh obviously Diami had a uh that one big drop um down the sideline would have most likely been or down the seam would have most likely been a touchdown but other than that i thought overall it's a pretty clean game the score could have been substantially worse than it was um defensively i'm sure e.j will get to that um i say the score could be worse e.j will probably say the score could have been closer but we'll see what he has to say (laughs) e.j what about you what were your biggest takeaways uh, my biggest takeaways were uh, that we were once again
2: solid against the run, and I, and I think that really leads into my next point: was that uh, we brought the physicality. I mean, all year and really for the past two seasons, I've been saying that we have some great blitz screen, great blitz schemes drawn up. We're just not blitzing with purpose, and I saw uh, Chaz hit the hole and blow up the running back a couple of times yesterday. So I was very happy with that. I mean, you even he- heard NC State players, which is something I've never heard of, saying that. They got out physical and they were handled and tossed around, and that's just not something you want to hear from a running back. Uh, I don't think those holes will be as big for him next week from that offensive line. It's not uh, something to
1: hear from a blue collar school either, EJ.
2: Oh, oh, exactly. <laughs> the 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 blue blue collar. We work harder than everybody else. We're the toughest guys on the block. Our school was started by quote unquote tough people. Well, news flash, guy. Our, our university was started by the first people to settle uh, <laughs> s- settle this skirt state. So. I think our people are pretty tough too. So, but yeah, we definitely brought the physicality. And you saw that on both sides of the ball, especially on defense. And something that I never thought that I would ever say, we made tackles. We tackled very well. We looked like a defense that was good at playing defense yesterday. The only negative I think think I'll say is – we're still giving up the big plays. I mean, a lot of those interceptions that we got, uh, they could have went the other way. The first one could have been a touchdown. Another one could have been another big play. So, Mike, yes, I do think this score could have been closer than what it was, but I still do, don't think the score reflects the the level of dominance that we showed out there. And, and I think that if we can just stop giving up those big plays, and I know that's because uh, we have some inexperience, um, And young guys in the secondary, we've had to replace, especially um, Storm Duck. We're really, really missing Storm Duck in the secondary right now. So I think once we get that under control, um, I think we'll be great. Overall, I'm happy with what I saw, though.
0: Before I get into my takeaways, I just wanted to shout out two players that are – two players that aren't in the usual suspects of guys and that's emery simmons and day day hollins right before kickoff we find out that bo corrales and patrice renee are going to miss the game and there's kind of that worry like oh no like here we go again here come the injuries emery simmons was a guy that i thought really stepped up um he had five catches for 38 yards no drops which is huge for this Carolina receiving corps, uh, corpse and it's something where if if he shows that he can catch the ball consistently. I think he's going to play his way into more playing time. He had a, a ceiling block on Michael Carter's first touchdown that kind of set the tone offensively for the day. And then speaking of setting the tone, Day Day Hollins, I think it was the first drive for NC state on third down the running back tried to bounce it outside uh, right into uh day day. He made the tackle, got Carolina off the field. I thought he did a great job stepping up and uh, s- same thing with Emory Simmons, two guys that stepped up and, just my biggest takeaways were this was a strong defensive performance. They essentially forced three three and outs to start the game. They withstood NC State going to another quarterback, something that they probably didn 't have the chance to prepare for and When you change the quarterback, it has the opportunity to kind of provide a spark for the team and I thought they did a good job. They were out of position a couple of times, but their effort I think made up for it, which is critical and these type of rivalry games, you look at a guy like Don Chapman, who they have the coverage breakdown in the end zone, and he hustles back, makes the interception. Um, Later on in the game, Tyron Hopper, he can't get to the quarterback in his pass rush, gets his hands up, forces uh, deflection, Chassarat intercepts it. And then on the other side, you know, you guys kind of mentioned it. I was going to unload a clip on NC State. All year, we hear about this blue-collar team that plays in Raleigh, and the most physical play that involved a state defender was Sam Howell serving up a pancake <laughs> and putting one on his backside. This game, it just reinforced that this is the new norm, that when these two teams play, as long as Mac Brown and as long as Dave Doran are running these programs, Carolina is just going to pummel this NC State team into the ground despite what any uh, pregame hype video might say. But, Mike, according to Pro Football Focus, three offensive linemen, uh, Montelis, Zudu, and McKeithen, all graded out at 80 in pass protection, uh, which suggests they had elite games. You had mentioned it in your takeaways that they did a good job in pass protection. What did you see specifically from the offensive line in pass protection and just overall in this game?
1: Uh, I saw the offensive line did a really good job with – just a standard four-man rush, which we've had trouble with this year. Um, we've, for whatever reason, we've struggled with just a standard four-man, uh, four-man rush. We haven't really had much of a problem out of like an odd front, so a three down, a three-down look. But when you've got four pass rushers, we've, we've had trouble essentially in our one-on-one assignments. Um, I was waiting to see if game reps and the deeper we got into the season would correct that. And it looks like it has. Um, and I I'll go ahead and I'll chalk it up to a weird off season. Kind of what I've been talking about the last few, the last few weeks on this pod, you know, weird off season, not a lot of prep time um, constantly, you know, all week long kind of worried about whether you're going to survive, you know, the week in terms of, you know, whether you're going to be COVID positive or COVID negative, you know, on, on the night before the game. Um, which is actually a theme that I heard a lot of announcers at a lot of different games uh, yesterday across ESPN, CBS, and whatnot, discussing that every coach is kind of taking this survival approach. Um, I, they mentioned PJ Flex said something about it. Mac has said something about it. You're kind of there's no normalcy, as Mac put it. Um, you're you're just kind of hoping to get through the week with everybody being healthy um, and not infected so that you can play with as close to a full roster as you can get. And I think so far the offensive line not getting bit by the COVID bug or the injury bug has been a real blessing for them. Um, you know, these guys have finally gotten those game reps and we've seen a lot, a lot of stuff get cleaned up. I mentioned twist games were a problem early in the year and we're going to continue to see them until we corrected them while well, I saw us correct them. We still a little bit, you know, some, some stuff can be cleaned up, you know, passing off twists, but for the most part it was effective. Um, we're still missing single blitzers every once in a while. So really just a four man rush with a fifth blitzer, right? Um, we're missing some stuff. That's just a, that's just an MA missed assignment issue. I think that's really just going to get, that'll get corrected much like some of these physical errors are getting corrected with game reps. But the real thing I was most impressed with was if you watch the pocket that the offensive line created, it was a very flat wide pocket. Um, there wasn't a lot of Uh, There wasn't a, you you can stretch a pocket two ways, right? You can widen a pocket either vertically so the tackles can take defensive ends real deep, um, or you can widen a pocket, you know, horizontally and widen it towards the sidelines. And our our guys did a very good job of widening the pocket uh, towards the sidelines, gave Sam a lot of time, let him get comfortable, let him make his throws, read his progressions. Um, I think that some of the sacks and some of the pressure was really just a result of Sam holding the ball too long and trying to force plays, which I think he's been doing all year long. But uh, a lot of that pressure, I I won't give to the offensive line on that. Some of that's on the quarterback. So I thought they did a really good job of creating kind of a mushroom shape, perfect pocket for Sam to throw out of. Uh, NC State didn't bring much in terms of pass pass rush. Um, But I'll give credit to the offensive line. I think our protection was better than their pass rush was bad yesterday.
0: The best offensive line analyst in the country, Mike Ingersoll, right there. The thing about this Carolina offensive line that's exciting for a fan is that They have three juniors, two sophomores starting across the offensive line. And with this year being a redshirt year for everybody, this is still a fairly young group that you would assume is only going to get better, which bodes well for this future of this Carolina program. And EJ, you mentioned it in your takeaways. We've got single-digit missed tackles for the first time in Lord knows how long. Carolina (laughs) only missed nine tackles all game. It's been a talking point for so long on this podcast. So what did you think about the tackling job in this game, specifically with it being a rivalry with uh, intensity all the way up and emotions kind of flying high? I think think
2: that that was exactly what we've been talking about. I mean, we've been – Every, every, every week this season we've done this podcast, we've talked about uh, double-digit missed tackles and actually having discussions like what can be done to make tackling better. Is it a drill thing or is it a want-to thing? And I think yesterday's game proves that it's a want-to thing. Those guys wanted to be more physical. They they were playing a rival. They wanted to go out and impose their will on those guys, and that's what they did. They made sure that they made those tackles. They made sure that they were in the right position. And, I mean, and when you're going out, when you're bringing the physicality and when that team knows that you're going to be more physical than them, it makes tackling a whole lot easier. So I definitely think that they need to find a way to bottle up this intensity and bottle up this feeling and transport that to the rest of the season. I mean, you're, you're playing UVA this weekend. I mean, I know that's not – as big a rival rival as NC State is, I mean, they're right in their own backyard, and they have some of the most lovely alum, alum and fans that you can't help but <laughs> but to remember those guys. But, I mean, UVA is a pretty big game, too. At the end of the day, it's an ACC game. And and, and for me personally, I remember going up to Charlottesville in an overtime game and, and never being able to get in a win there, even when we know going into the game that we are the more talented, better team. I mean, mo- most of the time we went into those games – we had a winning record we were ranked probably somewhere between 20 25 something like that but it 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 became a game that we kind of put a chip on our shoulder so I think these guys need to take that same intensity that same will and physicality and want to into this game because you see that's the only difference I mean we didn't run any different uh, defensive scheme. I don't think they practice any harder or practice any more physical than they usually did, especially with us. We're, we're not seeing our COVID numbers uh, rise on our team, like Mike mentioned earlier. So, you know, we're following these protocols and we're not doing anything out of the norm in practice. So, that's the only thing that that, that was different about this game that's been different than any other. So I think that they need to take it upon themselves. And, I mean, you hear Chad speak after the game that they were the more physical team. I think that he needs to to tell the guys when they – the first – once they step out of the practice that we need to remember that feeling, how it felt, to only miss nine tackles to be the more physical team and need to transfer that throughout the rest of the season.
1: So, EJ, one observation I had was that NC State didn't have a very mobile quarterback, whether it was with uh, Finley, the third stringer who came in, or um, the, the, the other kid, number 16, who used to be the starter. Hawkman, yeah. Yeah, Bailey Hockman. Um, they didn't have a really a mobile quarterback. And a point that you had made, particularly after the Florida State game, was that mobile quarterbacks give Carolina a lot of problems. We saw it against Virginia Tech. We saw it against Florida State. We're going to see it again this week against Virginia, I think, based on what I saw them do in the Miami game, where they had a three-headed monster of guys back there Mm-hmm. playing playing quasi quarterback right two of them were really just super tall receivers uh, number 98 and 99 which is wild <laughs> numbering It's like that kid had played quarterback at Michigan a few years ago um, mm-hmm. uh, who was an, that kid was an actual quarterback but these the, these other two are just kind of like big receivers they're in there to run kind of a wildcat type of deal um, and then they've got the white kid number 5 who uh, who is their quarterback the lefty and he's not bad um, he's pretty efficient as a passer frankly um, and he had a big game a few weeks ago and I can't remember who it was against. Um, uh, it could have been, it could have been Clemson. Um, but I, you know, UVA is a team that if they're going to be doing that might give us some headaches. Do you think that's going to ultimately impact, you know, we saw this improvement in tackling, like you just got done talking about. Um, I think UVA might be more of a problem next week than we want them to be just by virtue of the running quarterback issue. What do you think?
2: No, I agree 100%. Um, I actually took a note um, in the first um, – when they put Finley in, they started to move that pocket, and they started to get some success. They were running the same plays over and over again. They were running the running back off tackle to the right. They were running that little quarterback option to the left. They got put in trips, a formation that we've had trouble with, and they moved the pocket. I think that's why they brought him in because – I hate to say this, but I guess they were more willing to risk a true a, a freshman going out there running around scrambling around than to risk their guy who, who's, who's supposed to be their guy with more experience who's coming in replacing the, who's supposed to be their guy who broke his leg. So, but that once they started moving that pocket, we were did get in some trouble, but we caught a big break with that interception, um, yeah,
1: which should have been a touchdown.
2: Yeah, that, and which yeah. w- exactly should have been easy. To-
1: I, th- I think at that point you t- we had, uh, we were texting. Me and EJ were actually texting with Joey Powell. EJ, I think your point was that's Don <laughs> Chapman in a nutshell right yeah that's exactly yeah because the the point i made last
2: week that with don Chapman, you're either going to get a really big play or you're going to get something that looks like what are you doing like the guy doesn't know how to play football this was one of his plays where it looked like he got the the coverage broke down he wasn't in the right place but his hustle and effort and concentration to make that interception because i mean that that wasn't an easy interception to make especially when sure adrenaline just run up because you're having an old moment because the ball is getting thrown over your head (laughs) at an old
1: blank moment yeah
2: exactly yeah so it was i mean it it was a great recovery and it was him in a nutshell but I do think that if they move that pocket I do think that that could give us some trouble um and I think that it breaks our focus when it comes to tackling because we we don't know what's going to happen like oh this didn't happen on film or if they change change one little thing we kind of get frantic so hopefully um we're studying film and that's one of the things that we focus on because we can't let those big plays and ball being thrown over our head happen again
1: yeah, I mean, UVA is no joke, right? I mean, this isn't, a pre-game, this isn't a pregame preview pod here, but I mean, I was just looking at it real quick just to kind of give us some context because I, I don't think State was... Mac Brown said that against Florida State, right, we're not the number five team in the country. And I agreed with him on that. Um, I think that was the proper statement to make. Um, I don't think we're the number 15 team in the country right now. Um, the fact that we beat a ranked team and dropped a spot, I mean, I guess the Big Ten's getting a lot more credit than I think it deserves. Um, but UVA is not... A, so I didn't think NC State was the number 23 team in the country either, right? I don't think they are a top 25 football team. Um, but they're not, I don't think NC State's a bad football team this year. I think UVA is a whole lot better than their record shows too. So I got the numbers here. Uh, they beat Duke. They dropped 38 points on Duke. Against Clemson, they put up 23 points. Against State, they put up 21 points. Against Wake Forest, they put up 23 points. And against Miami yesterday or Saturday, we'll be, fans will be hearing this on Monday, um they put up 14 points and they only lost by five um now they're giving up a bunch of points but they're also scoring a bunch of points so I mean I think this has the potential to turn into more of a shootout than we want it to be does that give you any heartburn too just the fact they've proven they can score points
2: oh it, it definitely does it definitely does I mean we're, we're definitely I think playing a higher caliber offense this week and we're gonna have to put up or shut up like you, I, I do think that they're better they their ranking and, and the fact is we always seem to have a tough time playing against UVA. So it does worry me a little bit, but this performance and, and, and some of the, some of the, I guess I, I could say the cohesion of the defensive unit, them, us playing better assignment football, us playing more sound football, that, th- this performance definitely makes me feel a little bit better. If we were playing them this game right after that Florida State performance, I'd probably be a little bit more worried. But these guys showed me they could bounce back and actually play good football. So I, I do think it'll be a good game.
0: Yeah, the spread is only seven and a half right now for the UVA game compared to wherever it finished at for the state game, which was like 17 and a half. So mm-hmm. it's definitely on paper going to be a lot closer of a game. Um, and another uh, point that I wanted just to mention, it's it's interesting watching Don Chapman out there and seeing how creative uh, Jay Bateman and Jerry Bly have to be with the schemes that Carolina is doing. Like, uh, there was, there's a couple situations where they're rotating Don Chapman to cornerback and they're moving uh, Trey Morrison to safety when there's no nickel out there. So it's, it's, it's got to be a lot for these defensive backs where you don't really know where you're going to be playing and you're having to adjust and kind of think on the fly like, what does this position do in this scheme? So, uh, it could lead to more coverage breakdowns, but it's it's something that Carolina just has to deal with right now with the depth on on the defensive side of the ball. And going back to the tackling note, defensively, I think it was huge for Carolina that you had your leader Chaz Surratt set the tone. He had zero missed tackles on Saturday in 54 snaps. And on the subject of tackling, Carolina missed. Nine tackles total, like I mentioned. NC State missed 29 and 17 on just Javante Williams. Javante Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike, I'm wondering, does that do anything for an offensive lineman's confidence when they know the guys they are blocking for are so good at making people miss?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, as a player, right, I would know that I don't have to be perfect every single snap um and i could maybe even be a little creative i mean you don't you don't think of creativity on the offensive line but i mean it happens right i mean mid block there's some stuff you know that happens every single play where sometimes you got to abandon your technique and maybe try something a little crazy maybe you got to flip your hips around and try to seal a guy on inside zone when you're not really trying to cause a seal right maybe you're maybe same sort of thing on the back side of a of a um you know, outside zone, right? Maybe you're the backside tackle. You're cutting off a the three technique on the backside over the right guard, and maybe you seal him instead of cutting him. Um, you know, just because that's what the defense is giving you. But you know that if you try some stuff like that, that a guy like Javante Williams is going to make you look good. The other thing too is you don't have to worry about like if you're a puller, right? Um, if if you're, if your job, say we're running thirty six power and you're the left guard. your job is you are a one-on-one with that middle linebacker and you need to kick him right you need to kick him out so you can open up that six hole even wider well you don't need to be so afraid if that guy spills on you right or if you can't get a true kick and all you can do is just kind of get a piece of him right or if you need to take him vertical because you know a guy like Javante even if there's contact is going to make you look good he's going to probably break that tackle Um, I think he was actually does Javante, Javante leads the country in yards after contact does he not I, I'm fairly certain he leads yeah. the country in broken tackles.
0: I can't, um, I can't imagine there's any running back that has more than him right now.
1: No, no. And he, <laughs> I mean, and when you've got, and then you've got a guy like Michael Carter and it's strange to say, you know, you don't really know who's complimenting who in that situation. Right. In that, in that relationship, Michael Carter's another guy, right. Makes you look good. He's so patient. Um, and Javante, you've seen more of that patience too. It looks like, you know, he's learning from, from Michael. Uh, but he, Michael is so patient when he hits the hole, he lets things develop in front of him, right? And, and as an offensive lineman, same sort of thing, right? You know that you can get out there and just kind of play, right? And you take your man where you want him to go. And if your guy wants to spill inside or spill outside, you can take him that way and have a lot of confidence that you're probably not going to be the reason that play gets blown up, right? That your running back will make you look good. That really does make you play a lot freer um, and a lot more comfortably as an offensive lineman.
0: From a receiving perspective, I think playing with a guy like Javante Williams and Michael Carter, you're going to show a more willingness to block and a more willingness to put effort into blocks, knowing that you can be the difference that springs one of these long runs. And I'm at 170 pounds, never played a day of offensive line in my life, but from an offensive line perspective, I would imagine you would be more excited to get to the second level where... If you can get, if you could reach the second level and successfully block, you're putting Javante Williams or Michael Carter another five, seven yards downfield before they do have to make somebody miss. And you've seen they're going to make at least one person miss every play. And again, it can be the difference between uh, a ten-yard rush or a rush that goes all the way. And EJ, with the blowout, Carolina got the chance to play a lot of young guys. Uh, Des Evans, Miles Murphy, and Clyde Pender, specifically, they played 25, 24, and 12 snaps, respectively. What did you see from the true freshmen out there for Carolina fans to be excited about their futures?
2: I saw guys that were ready to come in and, and, and there be no drop-off. I mean, what you expect from, from from freshmen, especially when you're playing b- behind two talented guys like Mr. Fox and Mr. Rohavik, you just want guys that will come in long enough to spell them and, and just keep the level of play consistent, and that's exactly what you saw. I mean, I, I honestly didn't – it probably wasn't – late into the fourth quarter until I realized that these guys have been playing so much and just watching some of the plays that they were making. I mean, it's not anything that's going to show up on the stat sheet. I mean, these guys that were out there getting a lot of tackles, a lot of quarterback hits and different things like that. But what you see from guys who are five five games deep into their first season of college football without a real training camp, without any real time to to get used to to the level of play that they're going to have to maintain it was very encouraging to see these guys i mean even murphy i mean he's he's chasing guys out to the edge he's making guys bubble out like plays like that that's what you want to see from freshman defensive line you want to see that they have the basic the basic instincts and the basic knowledge of the defense to go in there to read and react and let some of their natural athleticism kind of take hold so i think that i mean when you see these guys get into this game, I think that you're going to, that, that bodes well for the rest of the season. These guys are going to start wearing down. Guys are going to start being injured. And Lord forbid, I mean, as safe as we try to be, it seems like COVID just seems to find some of these teams, to some of these places. I mean, that, that, that's one of those things that you can't really control. So I, I'm very happy. And it, it was very rewarding to see these guys going to the game. I mean, I think that if we can continue to increase that and dispel these guys more, I think, we're going to end up seeing some big plays from some of these guys. There's not a lot of film out there on them. And and that's always an advantage when you're putting a player into the game, especially with as creative as we can be on defense and, Believe it or not, just how just like there can be packages for players on offense for a certain running back or quarterback or wide receiver, there can be plays for certain defensive alignment. Heck I mean, we had them for Dante Page Moss, Quentin Copels, and mm-hmm. Michael McAdoo when I was in school. So yep. there can be um there can be certain packages for some of these defensive linemen where they're going on certain stunts or they're doing something creative or showing their athleticism, looking like they're gonna pressure and drop out in the coverage. So there there are a lot of different things and I that, that can be that are positives from them playing. So um, I was very encouraged about that. And I hope I get to see him out there a little bit more.
0: Defensively, I think it's impressive that they all looked the part, and you could throw in guys uh, outside of that defensive line, guys like Tony Grimes and like Jaquarius Conley, who all looked the part for guys who, our true freshman in college, a guy like Tony Grimes, is supposed to be a high school senior. So especially along the defensive line, outside of the quarterback position, I think that's going to be the biggest um, – where Carolina has to hit on the development the most to take that next leap to, to contend with the Clemsons. And I think it's an encouraging sign when you have guys like Murphy, uh, Pinder, and Des Evans already kind of showing out as true freshmen. Speaking of true freshmen, Mike, we saw Sam Howell, ball out last year saturday he has a ho-hum average day by sam howell standards 18 of 29 264 total yards two touchdowns and that one pancake block that we mentioned before (laughs) after the game he was asked about the nc state pregame hype video and he (laughs) said quote we don't really care about them we know what a ram is to a wolf i think we saw that out there today it could have been a lot worse unquote what did you make of that when you, where you have a quarterback that can talk the talk and walk the walk well Sam doesn't chirp much so there had to be stuff
1: going on on the and uh, I say there had to be I mean EJ you, and you know me we all know that there was stuff going on out on that field that you know you just you don't see on the TV copy and that Mike Golick from Phoenix and Dave Pass <laughs> from wherever he was he was calling the game from, you know what I mean? Like they, they, you're just not seeing that cause you're not on the field. Marty Smith might've heard some of it. Right. But um, you know, to, to push Sam to a point to where he's going to do something like that and say something like that in a post game, he's a pretty reserved guy. He's a fairly composed guy. Um, so for him to say that was, was pretty awesome for the fans that don't know. Um, I, I will give NC state's media team credit. Okay, that hype video was objectively pretty good. I mean, I, F state, but Objectively, the production quality was pretty, pretty, pretty primo. Ours was better. Uh, ours, ours ended up being a whole lot better. Um, and then the uh, the Curbier enthusiasm trolling job afterwards from our from our our video crew was the icing on the cake. If anybody hasn't seen that, that. The 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 post game video posted to the Carolina football Twitter account was um, it was it was the end of the NC State hype video. What's a ram to a wolf? And then cue the Curb Your Enthusiasm outro music and just the a, a, a preceding clips of just drubbing NC State all over the field. So it was it was awesome all around. Um, but yeah, you're right. You make a good point with Sam bringing something up like that. You know, there was clearly something happening on that field that he felt like he he needed to address or still had his blood boiling that he needed to address. But, you know, Sam, the other point you make was a ho-hum day at 250, 260-some-odd yards, right, two touchdowns, um, filling up the stat sheet with a pancake block. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of that from, from Sam this year. It's not 350 yards and four touchdowns. And, you know, he's not putting up Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers' video game numbers right now. And the reason for that is that we're running the ball so effectively. Um, credit to the offensive line and the running backs, but we don't need to lean on Sam. The way that we did last year Um, i think that might be forcing him to try and uh, press a little bit trying to make plays that may not necessarily be there which is causing him to hold the ball a little bit longer but for the most part he's fairly efficient he's making the right decisions he looks like a better pocket quarterback this year than last year even though his stats have dropped off he seemed a little more frantic last year as a freshman which is to be expected Um, this year he seems more measured in the pocket Um, he's making better cleaner decisions i think but our running game has been so strong that his stats just aren't going to be gaudy this year. Like they were last year. I don't expect.
0: Yeah. um, I love it from Sam Howell. I think if you look back at Carolina football and say 20 years, I think Sam Howell is going to be the most important commit and the most important player to ever come through the program. And I just love the swagger he plays with. And if you're in that locker room with him, he's a guy that you want to play with every day on Saturday. Um, And then just, just in these rivalry games, Sam Howell, the past two years, he's has like 669 total yards, five touchdowns, uh, just one interception, and Carolina's two wins. In the last two games against State, Chaz Surratt has 12 tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, an interception, zero missed tackles. Last two games against NC State, Javante Williams has 20 carries, 28 carries, 218 rushing yards, and six total touchdowns. So right now, the, the core of this Carolina team – it feels like they understand the significance between this rivalry. If Even if they don't want to talk about it, it there's a clear change from the 2018, 2018 team and the 2019-2020 team where the best guys understand that they have to put their best performances in this game because it matters in recruiting. It matters on the field, off the field, when the boosters are going to work every day and hearing about it from their NC State fans – Whatever Mac Brown, and you also have to give a lot of credit to the leaders on this team, whatever they're doing in the locker room in these rivalry games, it's been working right now. And EJ, Carolina, they have a great game this week. They head to Charlottesville next week off this dominant win, but they're also just two weeks removed from a huge letdown performance at Florida State. If you're in this locker room, how would you handle this upcoming game? I would
2: just have to approach it the same way they approach this game. I mean, you have to go in thinking that, I mean – rivalry really rivalry week games really need to be separated from the rest of the season and that doesn't matter how much attention you try to put to them put to i really honestly think that there was no extra emphasis inside carolina's locker room about us playing nc state i think the players took it upon themselves and they just kind of intrinsically knew what this game meant so the these games are kind of a one-off so i think that one they need to immediately bring their minds back to what they felt when they left uh, Florida state with how to really be, get dominated on both sides of the ball, minus a decent defensive performance in the second half of that game. I think they need to remember what that felt like. They need to remember what that felt like, not not think about the NC state game and that win until the night before the games. And Hey, I want to go back and I want to feel that way again after we're done during our work on Saturday. But they just have to remember that feeling. I mean, we've shown that we can do it on both sides of the ball. We put together a complete game on Saturday. And I think that, I mean, it's, 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 it, really, I really, it really is simple. I mean, I don't want to try to over-explain it, but they just have to remember the feeling of leaving Florida State, leaving that, leaving that L, walking into a game that they're supposed to win, that they're heavy favorites. And, and just dominate. They need to go and really prove that, hey, we're the number 15 team. We, we started out this week number 14, and we won. We beat a ranked team, as Mike mentioned earlier, yet we're still dropping in the rankings. I mean, there, there's some level of disrespect there. Yeah. I mean, just because yeah. the Big Ten's playing, there's still that level of disrespect there. So we still need to go out and earn our respect. At the, at the end of the day, we need to put ourselves in a position, which I know they'll never let this happen for our ACC team, that when it comes time to pick those four, four playoff teams, even if we did, don't beat Clemson in the ACC championship game, that it's a real hard decision to keep us out because of the performances that we've shown and the resume that we put together. Let Florida State be the only blemish on our record, and let's finish this thing out strong. I think that needs to be the mindset for every game the rest of the season.
0: Mike, what about you? How would you be approaching this game at UVA so you don't have a repeat of what happened in Tallahassee?
1: Yeah, I mean, you need, just like EJ said, you need to remind yourselves that you are now back in the position that Carolina football has been in for a long time. Some of these guys don't – guys like Sam Howell, right, the only Carolina football they know was last year, right? They know six and six regular season and a bowl win. Um, but, you know, for some of the older guys, you know, it's a, it's a disrespect thing um EJ is exactly right the we beat a ranked team and we dropped a point in the rankings so we talked off air that you know we were ranked 14th and tied with Wisconsin um last week in the rankings Wisconsin jumped um you know we also saw a big jump from Michigan um we saw a, a massive drop from Penn State and then we beat a ranked team and again I don't think NC State was the number 23 team in the country um you know realistically but they were still there um and we still beat a ranked team and we dropped a spot as opposed to even going up a spot or even just staying where we were. Um, I think that's, you know, whereas before I thought we were overranked at number five, um, I think we're now being underranked at 15. Um, you know, I think our sweet spot right now, we should probably be the, the 12th or 13th team in the country and that should put a little chip on these guys' shoulders. But you know, you avoid the letdown by going in to this Virginia game, understanding that the only way that you're going to lose is if you beat yourselves, right? We lost to Florida State. This team lost to Florida State, not we. I'm not, on, I'm not in the locker room. But that team lost to Florida State because that team beat itself. Um, the mistakes that they made, some of the coaching flubs and the game mismanagement and stuff, we can get into all that, right? But ultimately, that team as a whole, from the staff to the players, made enough mistakes to beat themselves. There was nothing that Florida State did. That Carolina can't handle. And we saw it in the second half, right? Even with what I'll argue was a bad game plan, even in the second half, our players were still talented enough and still efficient enough to put up points and put themselves in a position to win that game in spite of themselves. Um, This is going to be a similar type of game. This is going to be a bare knuckle fight with Virginia. It always is. They talk as much, if not more, trash than anybody we always play on the schedule. I don't know what all that's about. Um, Virginia has you know, a reputation. Every Virginia team that I played against was cheap and dirty and throwing punches after the play. The only thing that's going to beat Carolina is themselves. If they lose their composure, if they don't execute, and if they're not efficient, that's how Carolina loses this game. That's how they have another letdown like Florida State. There should not be another game that truly challenges this team until they go to South Bend to play Notre Dame. Um, that's just the way that it is. And they need to keep it in their mind that every game is important. Um, And they have to win each game to put themselves in a position to when they play, um, or sorry, yeah, when they, uh, I I spoke, I said when they they go up to South Bend, when Notre Dame comes to Chapel Hill, um, there shouldn't be another game that challenges them really until Notre Dame comes down to Chapel Hill. But to put themselves in a position where that game is respectable, and that game has the hype that it really should have, Carolina has got to take care of every game each week and put emphasis and importance on every game each week and not get to looking down the road. But understand that there is a pot of gold, no pun intended, um, when, when Notre Dame comes to town, right? And if we beat Notre Dame, right, you're in a, you're, you really are in the position that EJ is talking about. You beat Notre Dame, then you go and you beat a really good Miami team. You've put together a really impressive regular season. And Florida State is a bad blemish, but it's an early blemish. We'll see if we get the kind of forgiveness that an Ohio State or some of these other you know Big Ten, Pac-12 schools will get. Um, a little benefit of the doubt going on there. But, again, the only thing that can beat this Carolina team is itself. That's how you avoid the letdown is you, you control the things you can control and you do the things that you know how to do and you do them well and don't worry about everybody else. Kind of like NC State was talking about in their own little hype video, right? It's not about them. It's about <laughs> us. Well, for real, this Carolina team, it really isn't about them. It is about us. As long as they take care of the things that they can take care of, they should be fine this Virginia game will be a very good test, particularly on the defensive side.
0: Yeah, for UVA's sake, you're hoping that they don't put out a hype video to hype up this Carolina team. And <laughs> Besides the, the Florida State performance, this Carolina team also has the fact that they lost to this Virginia team just a year ago. Now, I know it's a completely different quarterback, and Bryce Perkins was a quarterback who can just go out there and win you a lot of games, especially as that dual threat option, but that's something that should still be fresh on this Carolina team that despite their ranking being 15th in the country, this is still a team that beat them last year and should just kind of add more fuel to the fire. And Carolina at Virginia, the South's oldest rivalry on Halloween. It's an 8 p.m. kickoff. It gives Mike plenty of time to go out trick-or-treating and be home in time for kickoff. Looking forward to breaking it down with you guys already. Thanks, Thanks
1: man. Oh, hey, Vip, before we, before we go off the air, you looked really good on The Bachelorette
0: this, uh, this week. I didn't see the guy who you're talking uh, about, so I'm D- going to have to look at up. the guy who's rumored <laughs> to win. Yeah, yeah, Dale. <laughs> I'll have to look him up, but thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.